I don't want a pickle. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is another special edition Nokomoto film review commentary episode. So whilst you're listening to this, we are either at or just getting back from the AIM Expo. And that's going to take a lot of work to compile all the interviews, all the everything, all the craziness from that weekend. So to give, to make sure you've still, to make sure you've still got your fix, we're bringing you another film commentary and boy, Oh boy. Do we have one for you this time around? What film are we watching, Swiggy? We are watching George Romero's Night Riders. I don't know how this isn't a, a, a coast-to-coast sensation. Oh, by the way, I want to add in. I, I know why. <laughs> okay. Well, I want to add in. I noticed that Torque popped up on the Roku channel this week. Oh. Yeah, and I think we need to take full responsibility for that. Now, this one is sure to pop up as well everywhere as soon as everyone sees this. So if you haven't seen the movie before, I don't think we should give anything away because there's a lot of great reveals in this film. We should point out that if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch this for free. Commercial free. Yes. So you can watch this for free two different ways. Amazon Prime or the let's see on the app to be t-u-b-i which you can put on your roku or your phone or whatever and then you can just watch it with some commercials it lets you know when the commercials are coming up so you can just pause the recording as you're listening to it so you really have no excuse not to listen to this commentary with the movie and you really owe it to yourselves because we are going to go on a journey together let me tell you what so we're going to bring you the latest in 80s progressivism. We're going to solve all of the world's social problems while delving into madness at the same time. All right. To sync this up on pretty much any way you're going to watch this, the Metro Goldwyn Mayer logo is going to pop up. And then right after that, you're going to see a very simple, very budget United Artist screen. So as soon as you see the words United Artist, that's when you're going to press play. So I'm going to say pause. You're going to pause this recording. And then when you see United Artist, you press play again. And then we're all synced up and good to go. Are you ready? Pause. Oh, here we are. I... I can't tell if this movie had a legit budget or not. Well, we can look that up while we're while we're doing it. Oh yeah, okay. But we should we should talk about this intro because this is kind of a a bit of a a mix between some very standard George Romero shots and like a Robin Hood Prince of Theme Thieves intro. Oh yeah, yeah. I suppose it is a little bit of the times. Oh, I love this movie starts with tits. It's so good. <laughs> oh, so Ed Harris stars in this movie, which we're, we let that's known real quick. He's whipping himself. Why? 
he and a girl are naked and then getting dressed in medieval clothes in the middle of the woods. He's praying with his sword naked in the morning sun. There's a lot of weird imagery happening right off the bat, and we are given no clue as to why. We've got medieval music happening. Look, she's putting on a crown. And here comes maybe one of the greatest moments of the movie right off. This is one of the greatest moments in cinema history. I can't. Oh, for everyone that doesn't know what's about to happen. Oh. Now, you think that armor is CE rated? I don't think so. <laughs> here we go. Uh, yes. <laughs> what a reveal. So also, pr- props for riding a CBX off-road. Yeah, it's not it's not super technical, but there is a lot of acting whilst doing slow speed maneuvers in this movie. Yeah. And I respect it. I do want to point out that this movie absolutely passes our equivalent of the uh our the motorcycle version of the Bechdel test. Yeah. It's got the the main theme is about motorcycles. It has people riding motorcycles. It's got motorcycle stunts. It has in-face shots of the actors riding motorcycles. Oh yeah, 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 full body where they're speaking, their face is visible and like the bike is visible rolling down the road. Yes. In fact, there are even scenes where two characters just talk about nothing but bikes. Yeah. That's as moto Bechtel as it gets. So we're at this weird Ren fair, and then we see somebody, yeah, pass some actual currency, which is one of our first hints. I mean, obviously there was the really confusing scene of them being dressed like knights going from the woods onto the road, which must have been jarring for some people. So here we're introduced to a character. This dude, what's his name again? I can't remember. I can't follow any names in this movie. There's just, it's too dense. Okay. So he, this guy here with the dark hair, he is the makeup artist for all the night of the living dead movies. So he's kind of a film legend. Oh, look here. We get some slow speed maneuver acting. It's pretty good. Like everyone clearly learned to ride for this. I mean, I'm not going to say what he did was just super impressive, but it's at least a BRC maneuver. Mm-hmm. And that's a sweet CB750. Right? Yeah. I love how, like, the first thing they're talking about with this jousting is his sidearm, which is, like, a solid steel mace. And the other guy's saying, this doesn't seem too safe. And his response is, fuck you, that's your problem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, some people might be wondering, why are they jousting with motorcycles? Why does this traveling Ren Faire use motorcycles? 
never explained, never pays off ever. So if you're waiting for that part of this story, doesn't happen for you. (laughs) This guy's great. Some good drunk acting here. So we get some social commentary right off the bat here. <laughs> So what's he writing here? Is that a, it's something double over a cam. It's hard to say. We're quickly establishing a sort of um, ragtag group of misfits here. We've got the, the, the chick grease monkey here fixing all the bikes. She reminds me of a character from something else. Like she's, she's kind of like a mixture of like three different characters from Mash. Mm-hmm. I. That wasn't a bad like motorcycle crash shot there either. I. It's going to sound like we're being really nice to this movie for a while here because it 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 does a couple only. Like, do you have a, does it, has anyone here ever like dated someone with, uh, with a, with a cousin or a brother or sister that's mentally ill and they'll, they'll, you know, your girlfriend will introduce you to like her mentally ill brother and you'll be like, well, you seem fine, you know? But then like the second time you meet him is when you go like they does something to make you go, oh, yeah, that's why they can't leave him alone. Right. Right now, this movie's seeming not so insane. In about what, four or five minutes here, things go off the banana meter. Thereabouts. Yeah. <laughs> so this girl has just run away from her parents. And as she's jumping onto the back of a motorcycle, which she claims to be a little afraid of, she's never done before, with a dude in a traveling fair dressed as a knight. He's basically a carny. Yeah. And she doesn't know where they're going. Now they're getting hassled by the cops? Two local dirty cops shaking down a local Ren Faire that uses motorcycles instead of horses. This is like the part of the movie that it's pretending to be a Dukes of Hazard episode. I love Merlin as a character in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Cajun voodoo interpretation of Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> This is a great moment. Look. Uh, 
Now, this look that they exchange. So I guess this is something where George is trying to tell us that, you know, things don't end up very well for our female characters. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it all seems glamorous, baby. But I know traveling with a carnival sounds like, I mean, it looks so glamorous, <laughs> but it may not be. Although this movie has like way too much foreshadowing. I think George Romero thought I'm going to make a real movie, not just zombie action. For Merlin there, we're supposed to think this happens a lot. I, If you were a small town cop and these guys came to town like paydays here, I don't think that would occur to me. Not at all. Can we talk about how Ed Harris looks exactly the same here as he does in Apollo 13 or anything else he's ever done? I Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I mean and he, and his character has all the, has the same voice and mannerisms of Brigadier General Franks, Francis X Hummel from The Rock. I want to think that maybe this is you know, he felt the characters were connected when he did Francis X Hummel. He really tapped into something from this movie. <laughs> oh, we're about to get one of the most insane cameos of all time. I have to say their show isn't totally shit either. I would probably sit around to watch at least most of it. Yeah. it. You might be wondering, uh, here he is, Mr. Stephen King. Why? Well, because this is when Stephen King was at the height of his coke addiction. That's why he's here. And I think this was about the time he was starting to make Maximum Overdrive. So he was probably just hanging out on film sets trying to learn. And he was like, ooh, can I be in the movie? Look, they discuss here that the weapon's probably dangerous. And a second person like signs off on it. Ooh, some members of the, of the crew are willing to take more risks than others. Could that be <laughs> foreshadowing? Yeah. We're given plenty of red flags here about yeah. the leader of this. Uh... I am a little confused as to what some of these other people in costume do in this fair. Like how there is enough money to support them. Like this weird juggler mime. 
Yeah, the other thing I don't see that's clearly missing from this scene is a trailer. Like, how are they getting all these bikes from event to event? Oh, they, no, they have some trucks that are around, but they don't feature in heavily. It's true. That is a sweet helmet. Yeah, the costumes are <laughs> rad. <laughs> I, this is all legit stunt work, too. Oh, no, that's a, per- that's a perspective shot. Well... So we've got a lot of, I, I don't understand why some of these motorcycles have to be done up in a medieval costume with like weird shields on the front of them. And some of the bikes don't, there's not a lot of continuity there. I would have liked to have seen all the bikes done up medieval style myself. You said the costumes are amazing. They are, except for about half of the helmets, are kind of ratchet. They are. Well, they're clearly just shells over actual <laughs> over actual helmets. I love yes! this scene. Oh my god! <laughs> the- like we've only got two stunt actors. <laughs> we'll just send the bike at the crowd and tell them not to flinch. <laughs> Well, I love that somebody in this Ren Fair, their job is just to shove these motorcycles over as they inevitably go hurtling into the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) There's... I mean, this is sort of like a, I don't even know. Like, I can't say that this, this concept is complete garbage because if they were doing this at medieval times, you couldn't keep me away. Yeah. I mean, and these guys really are jousting here. They're getting knocked off these bikes. These are professional stuntmen. Such an 80s movie reveal. Oh, one of them's a woman. Well, yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of skill to get shoved off a bike by a jousting stick. I mean, it's kind of just a gamble. You each ride at each other with these sticks. Someone makes it and someone doesn't. (laughs) Oh, now, this is my favorite interpretation of jousting rules. You don't fight on foot until somebody yields. It's so much better. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. They have this announcer just to describe give everyone. He just does nonstop exposition. (laughs) 
Oh, that's right. He chooses hacks, and now they move to battling on sidecars. I forgot about that. <laughs> we told you this starts getting bananas. It really starts taking off. Now, so now we've got knights battling on sidecars, and they're not even... I, they're straight up like off-road sidecars, like the ones you see them doing off-road sidecar racing with. Yeah, look, they're each loaded up with, like, three different weapons. Oh, this is so good. For for everyone, we told you this movie gets bananas. Like, it just keeps getting more bananas from here. And it just delivers this every scene. Something completely nuts till the end. So now... We've, this is our third pass on how inappropriate this mace is, and yet is still being allowed. <laughs> it's, I, yeah. I wonder which character is going to use tactics no one else is willing to use later on in the film. <laughs> It's a curious choice that the guys driving the the side hacks here have very modern helmets for 1980. They're not done up medieval at all. Well, that's because they're not knights. I, they're... Okay. <laughs> I guess you understand the world of knight riders a lot more than I do. I, well, they're, they're probably more normal people. You know? <laughs> They were they're, hired they're, locally. They're not invested. They're just getting a paycheck, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it is unclear how much, if any, if these guys get paid anything to do this as the film goes on. It's also unclear how serious they take this because this is just a show that they do traveling from town to town. Yet at moments they seem really hell bent on actually hurting each other. And look like, look, he's thinking here like, Oh, I'm going to have to go in there and, and settle something in this battle. And she's like, Billy, don't do this. It's like, is this, or is this not just a weird traveling show? Various members of this traveling show have different relationships with reality. (laughs) What are these bikes? I need to know. I've been trying to figure out because some of them, like they've got this leading link suspension. They're singles. They're cooled. I don't know what they are. Uh, I think a few. I think that might be uh, a Honda Eliminator. The big 650 single. Maybe they might be like CR500s. It's tough to say. All right, this is fantastic. This, there's a lot 
of these stares at each other before they take off. The mo- This is a staple of the film. <laughs> I, these maneuvers are pretty good because they're essentially doing them one-handed because holding the mace and the sword, this has got to affect your, uh, um, affect your clutch control. I wonder if they had to track down some, like, motorcycle polo players for this. <laughs> no, I think That's this the is, only I thing think that this already is Tom exists. Savini and Ed Harris for all of this. I don't know. This is, this is pretty impressive. I, given how most of Ed Harris's performance is, I I feel he's he was just so dedicated to the role. He learned to do all of this. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. This isn't real. But apparently so everyone has to be ready to mob the shit out of the challenger <laughs> to protect the king illegitimately from a fair challenge. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, this is a big deal. I love that we go from the medieval music to this like weird acid jazz medieval music and how yeah. <laughs> Because nothing is making sense at this point. See, I would I would have loved the show up to this point. This is where I would have thought that things were starting to go off the rails. Oh yeah, and that I shouldn't be around when the cops show up. <laughs> Look, he's still riding around menaces, menacingly. Like he's look, he's he's whacking people with this legit real mace in their weird like paper mache knights helmets. Like, is the show over or not? Who knows? <laughs> to what level is this real? Yeah, they had this whole conversation about like the the whole this whole scene about the cops shaking him down earlier. If the cops are just here for this scene, like that stunt right there, how did they do that? That was, oh yeah, that was a hard fall. <laughs> There's a lot of those in this though. The stunts are legit. So, so to cut oh, yeah, their you supposed just, you just friend off. A, yeah, you just shoved a rod through my, through my, um, through my front wheel and sent me over the handlebars. And I've probably got a concussion, but yeah, I had a good run. Fair play. Yeah. I I was, (laughs) I was hell bent on killing all of you, my traveling, you know, compatriots until you just had rung my bell that hard. And now I'm like back to normal. (laughs) There's something so weird about this mime pulling these instruments out of the autoclave. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck is that? 
<laughs> Us or sterilizer. And as if it wasn't confusing enough over everyone's weird levels of relationship with reality, now they have to have a big conversation about it, which makes nothing clear. So he's talking about having things they can count on. Like, I don't know, maybe like finding a barn or something they can do this in at a regular place on a regular schedule and sell regular tickets might, you know, so they could like have homes. He he says this is about things they can count on. Why do they insist on it being a traveling show? There's yeah, everyone's kind of a little crazy here and dysfunctional, but they don't want to acknowledge it. There's another, there's a more modern movie that I highly recommend um, if you want something similar in more of a black comedy format. Um, you need to see Frank. Um, oh. <laughs> the, the, the dude in the band with like the big paper mache head. Yeah. Uh, played by, uh, what's his name? Oh, famous actor. Uh, Is it Elijah Wood? No, it's... It's... uh, It's got Maggie Gyllenhaal and Michael Fassbender. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're right. There is a weird similarity here with that movie. This movie has a lot of this, this very 70s, 80s style, what's supposed to pass for like clever and witty back and forth, but is really just nonsense. Yeah. So these two characters are just straight up mentally ill, right? I think so. No shit, magic has nothing to do with orgasm. <laughs> we are meant to believe this man's a medical doctor. <laughs> it's unclear if he paints these butterflies on him or if they're tattoos. Yeah. I'm leaning towards that they're supposed to be tattoos. So this black bird thing is kind of important because in the second act, it figures heavily. So 
he's had a dream a couple times with a black bird in it. Or at least he's telling himself that. And this is supposed to be the black bird we saw in the very first frames of this movie, I guess. Um... <laughs> God, about this harmonic. It's out of nowhere. Oh, he pulls this harmonica out and his weird Mardi Gras magician's like uh, Cinderella dress outfit that he wears. <laughs> and he has to give his harmonica Cajun style uh, weird parable story that makes no sense. more acid medieval jazz in the background <laughs> oh i wonder if they if they if they got a, a composer to do this or if they they found like a group of guys that just do medieval acid jazz <laughs> i doubt it it's pretty niche. Everything about this movie is pretty niche. So did they just shut the show down for like two hours or is this day two of this insanity? I think we were meant to think they took some sort of intermission in the show. I mean, even at medieval times, they do that. So, you know, that it's all legit. Yeah, what a dick move. She comes up to like give give him this trinket to let her know she's into him. This is classic negging. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it's just like the way that this character turns from a good guy into what he becomes later is a really fun transformation for me. She's such an overnight fan of motorcycle jousting. <laughs> Hold on. I apparently it's a Castrol sponsorship on this as well. Did you catch that? No. What? <laughs> These weird castrol signs. You'll see them again. <laughs> so I guess we're meant to believe that castrol sponsors these people somehow. The other question is, given how much they feature this CBX, do you think Honda gave it to them? Uh, wait, what year was this movie made? So this would have been shot 79, released in 80. That was a brand new bike. I'm going to say yes, because this was, I think it was like early 80s. They got sued over all the trikes. 
So this would have been before they adopted their super family-friendly, safety-conscious image. So there's a good chance they did. Yeah, this movie is very much in line with the tribes. (laughs) (laughs) I could just watch footage of people knocking over out-of-control dirt bikes all fucking day. That is their system. I mean, it lets you know that they thought about this world a little bit. They're like, well, wait a minute. These guys are just going at each other full tilt, then someone's just knocked off a bike and the bike keeps going. I want to believe that. Well, let's just test and see how far will a bike at full speed just keep going on its own. And then they're like, oh. For the for like the realism here, we need to like just insert these scenes of people knocking I, down. I want to believe. I want to believe that it was actually inspired by an onset accident. Either way, oh, this is another great aspect too. Here they build in this chaos here coming up. They're like, oh, traditionally we just give weapons to all the local outlaw bikers and create this chaotic scene at the end of every show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for the neo-Nazis to show up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This character... (laughs) He's clearly got a swastika sharpied onto his forehead. <laughs> well, I like how this other guy just showed up wearing like animal fur. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, Bill, I heard that these like weird like knights are showing well, up. It's a really shitty swastika. It's as well. really bad swastika. <laughs> it's fitting for the character. It is. What's this touching moment? Like, he was just trying to essentially kill him and take his position in the troop eight minutes ago. There's also been, like, this gradual increase of, like, grease on his face that's been, like, started on his forehead and has progressed down scene by scene. This is a weird part of the character. He's the most vain out of all of them. Yeah. So the dirtier his face gets, the more he relates like to all the, more the other contrite characters. He is. No, no, no. The the cleaner his face is, the more contrite he is. The more yeah. he's the more dirty he is, the more genuine he is with everyone around him. Oh, yeah. And this is consistent throughout every scene that he's in. Again, this is George Romero trying every legitimate movie technique he can possibly squeeze into something to try to become a more respected filmmaker. See, child, you don't understand. I'm fucking crazy. (laughs) I won't sign this because I'm a fucking weirdo. The kid's the best actor in the scene. Everyone else just looks awkward, which isn't much different than many other scenes in the movie.
<laughs> I forgot. <laughs> this movie is packed with dirty one-liners, too. Oh. So he's just been riding a weird, like, motorcycle jousting competition with a helmet. Look how, like, perfectly feathered out his hair is there. Like, he's just been, like, preening, pruning, preening himself for hours. I, ugh. Yeah, they're making the big bucks. This gets really Dukes of Hazard now. So they invited these guys with their own bikes to come and do this. And now they're losing interest. But they asked them to come and do this. They invited them to, to take their own shot at, at doing all these things. Yeah. And now this sort of weird battle has to happen. That is a <laughs> sick ass <laughs> wheelie. <laughs> this is kind. Of, this is a really fun chase scene. It doesn't make any sense. Like, why are they chasing them around the county? Again, this is all Dukes of Hazard shit. Hey, it's uh, we have a chase on this show every week. We better we better create one for this week. That's a very Dukes of Hazard moment right there. <laughs> that scene yeah. went on like two signs too long to be funny and then like went one last sign to become funny again. <laughs> you think he's got enough reaction time to get out of the way? Does the, yeah, the back <laughs> explodes. <laughs> Do you think maybe with how aware George Romero was with a lot of this, the, the bike exploding on the side of the road was supposed to be sort of an easy rider kind of thing? I think it was. But it also still doesn't fit because it's like, oh, you fell off your bike. Okay, well, now your bike has gone up in flames. I've done several thousand dollars of damage to your property. This isn't this isn't a fun scene anymore. This is a yeah. this is kind of a crisis. See, I bring that up because this is the moment where I feel like this movie kind of becomes Easy Rider for a minute. Like every mm -hmm. 15 minutes, this movie changes into a different movie. Right. So this is very much a sort of we're hippies hanging around doing our campfire hippiness stuff. Right. Like there are many scenes in easy rider like this. I mean, like, 
this weird Robin Hood lifestyle that they're leading. <laughs> And you're just sitting there like Wolverine from the animated series. I didn't think of the con the carny lifestyle as a conscious adult decision, but He's the only person that draws a comparison between himself and cult leaders, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's very, very like true. This quote is so good. I'm fighting the dragon. <laughs> Again, people, if you want to know what dragon he's fighting, never pays off. You, it's never really explained. Just discuss amongst yourselves, lose sleep over it. I forgot about the the Charles Manson comparison. <laughs> it's like you're the only one saying that, and honestly, it's a little yeah. concerning. Yeah, <laughs> we were all afraid to say it. <laughs> all right, and now for our first segment of Night Rider solves all of our social problems. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, this part where they, they they call him out. This is the the movie's attempt to be uh, a nineteen eighties version of Super Woke. They really hang on this a little too long as well. I I mean, this girl here, I have forgotten her name, um, uh, jumped on the back of our, our dude's bike earlier in the film. Like, why is she still here? It's a good question. Like, her parents just left without her. We're, we're meant to believe she's a teenager, I think. Even though the actress is qu- clearly like 26, think we're supposed to think she's a teenager but she's just here why it's a good question like just in the middle of a ren fair she decided this this is where i'm striking out i've I've been waiting (laughs) i've been waiting 16 years on this planet to make a move and you know what dad's little issue with the with the corn on the cob that was the breaking point. <laughs> that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, that and this guy's CB750 really, really seals the deal for me. I mean, it is a pretty sweet CB750. It's true. You know, they travel in these tents. 
what? Oh, I remember what's happening now. Okay, this scene didn't make any sense for a second when the cops come back in the middle of the night. This is wonderful. I do enjoy the Friar Tuck character and just how off the walls, like, drunk he he is and how they establish this. He just drives this truck into the trees. Again, how much money did he think they had? Like, yeah, the risk to reward ratio is a little off here. And again, I said this is where the movie kind of becomes Easy Rider. This is sort of a. Oh, wait, I think there's more. I think they do more 80s boobs here. Yes. Like, really needlessly. This is not the best drunk acting I've ever seen. <laughs> I think I think he does a straight up like mouth hanging open like eighties <laughs> thing here. Yeah. <laughs> He's still holding on her. <laughs> Yes, it is unreal, young lady. You've decided to run off with a bunch of carnies in the middle of the woods on motorcycles for no reason. Like, this dude's pickup truck camper is like the nicest living situation anyone here has. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're fighting the law and everything. This is totally the easy rider portion of this movie. For a minute here, the movie almost gets really good. Everyone takes the serious tone. We finally got some actual stakes going on, right? This is the first point in the movie where everything hasn't been just all weird make-believe, right? Yeah. It's all of a sudden like someone's going to jail. We've got a crooked cop. We've got a cause. We've got a band of people together. It's almost snapping into focus. And we're nearly at almost an hour's time in the movie here. This would be a great point to just set up for the third act and just continue on. Turns out we're only at the end of the first act. (laughs) This is not a normal movie. There's a lot wrong here. Like... You don't just arrest somebody because they say, hey, arrest me. Yeah. That's not a thing. Also, how is it productive for his cause? 
It's not. This is not at all. And he's also saying like, hey, I'm going to be arrested and you have to arrest me because I said arrest me. And therefore, ha ha, nanner nanner, I'm going to be a witness to any police brutality. That's going to stop you. But as we're about to find out, it doesn't quite work out that way. <laughs> That's right, Tom Savini. This is crazy. You should pay them and get the hell out of there. Why do they need to move out? It's the middle of the night. I mean, presumably they're all going to like load up and move out in the morning to get to where they were going on time, right? You would think so. Well, I, I don't know if they knew how to end the scene. Also, is anybody else laughing along at home at this scene? <laughs> as, as horrific as it is, with all of the context that we have, it's kind of hilarious. We can't have you long-haired, girly-type motorcycle riders coming through playing on knights and dragons in our little town. <laughs> that doesn't jive with my small-town cop values. And you've got the wacky tobacco. <laughs> Again, you know, easy rider. They get picked up by the law needlessly thrown in the drunk tank. This is this is that section of the movie. Now I have a That's logistical question about scene. this. Well, yeah. Why? Of course, yeah. He's like, take your bike. You got get like he rode it there, and w what? They're gonna load it into the back of that truck with what? Like, of course, he's taking his bike. They're not leaving it at this woman's house. Why was that conversation even necessary? No, I think he meant take it to this gorge. Yeah, of course. He was going there the whole time. Julie's the only one that knows where it is. But 60 miles there and back. They just found out. I guess so. Solving more social issues. Yeah. Round two. Oh, yeah, they're going to talk about how she's, like, all repressed. Morgan, Tom Savini. Cheating on her, apparently. Although, they never show him cheating on her, really. Well, I, I guess later, but he leaves the troop for that. Like, when he's with the troop, I don't see a lot of evidence of this womanizing. 
seems convenient for their plot for him to like say a bunch of it right now. It's weird that as the villain, he's probably the nicest and most well-adjusted person in the entire movie. He's the only one with clear goals that takes any action to do anything productive. That's for certain. Everyone else just sort of hangs around acting like knights doing things that make to have no consistency. Yeah. Of course she she can't wipe the grease off. It's the whole mechanism that makes her character and Tom Savini's character have arcs like <laughs> Oh my goodness. Steve, I forgot about Steve. I love this character, but even more, I love this motorcycle. If there's one motorcycle from this movie I want, it's this fucking crazy bike he's got. Look at that. Where is that fairing from? No, it's an add-on. Like it's an aftermarket fairing, I know, but like what's the make? What is it? Like this is a this is something you can attain in real life. This isn't a movie motorcycle. And if you look at it, it's got some miles on it. It's not new for this film. This was just someone's crazy custom cruiser. And they were like, oh, we gotta have this for the movie. This sheriff. Like, you know how in a Sling Blade, he's always talking about how he's friends with J.D. Shelnut, chief of police. Hey, yo, I play cards and fish with J.D. Shelnut. I feel like this co- this this chief here is J.D. Shelnut from <laughs> Sling Blade. <laughs> Look, he's looking like he's going to pull a gun and shoot who? Amazing. I love that he wears weird medieval clothes on his downtime. (laughs) Why? Why? Look, there's a there's a poster of John Travolta, and he's dressed like a friggin' knight. With jeans. Uh, fixing more of society's problems. Battered housewife. I love how she ran off throughout the night, came back in the morning to grab her stuff. She's running off with the carnies, sees her mother with a giant black eye, says, that's my fault, right? Well, see ya. Bye. <laughs> this will just have to go unresolved. weird shot of her crying in the kitchen let's just cut back to our ragtag group of weirdos now moving along now moving right along i gotta say this movie does really start and stop it does
this Cajun wisdom. How could we? <laughs> Even the king has to listen. All right, this is really where the second part of this movie starts. So now they're in Bakersfield, right? They're setting up at their next location, which is just some... I don't know what it is. Just some area. They've just moved to a different piece of shitty, shitty property. So, hold on. They're outside this store, and they're putting up flyers for their their weird fair. So we're meant to believe that the the lawyer from Jurassic Park here, Mr. Auto Erotica himself, and these two women have been trying to track them down. Wait, Auto Erotica? Don't you remember that, like, ridiculous line he has in Jurassic Park? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would have mistaken him for Richard Carradine, but okay. <laughs> oh, David Carradine. Oh, but David Carradine, yeah. No. Was it David Carradine? David Carradine, yeah, okay. from Kung Fu. But no, so so I guess they're like big time like LA Hollywood agents. But they've just been, like, trying to find them on the road or something, and now they've run into them? Apparently. I mean, the local town doesn't really know they're going to be there. They're just putting up the flyers now. Like, outside the friggin' American Legion. Like, this is hardly the hottest group that's traveling across the country, right? It's not Nitro Circus. It's not clear... If how much planning went into this, if this was like if they're doing a tour or if they're just going from town to town aimlessly. What is his bike here with this sort of uh, such a weird fairing on the front of it? It has a well, it's got a showy logo on it. Mm. I have no idea what that is. It has an early Britain vibe to it. I love the weird relationship these <laughs> women bring up with our heroes. <laughs> Why is one of them skateboarding in this parade? I who knows. Again, was this parade planned? The whole town has come out to see it. I'll admit, if I was in this town and I just happened to be there, I would 100% be paying close attention (laughs) to everything that was going down the road. But it's not much of a parade. It's about 25 people, like six bikes and two trucks, and a dude with a falcon? I, I don't know. Uh, 
What was that half-baked? Like, <laughs> I think they were just obligated to get another Budweiser can label facing out in oh, yeah. the shot. Yeah. Yeah, Jurassic Park lawyer would have been really good on Instagram these days. It's always got that label out. Oh, we do get another great excuse for super uncomfortable looks between these two. <laughs> what? <laughs> I I don't understand. We're just supposed to think there's chemistry there because they're just staring at each other. Oh, this bike again. I love this bike. Is this a like a KZ1000 dressed up as much as you can dress one up? What is this bike? I'm not sure. I don't think it's a Goldwing. It's not a Harley. I want to say it's a big inline four. And this is their fucking lawyer. He's like high and sweaty in every scene he's in. Let's take a look at these gauges on this bike. It It might be a Goldwing, but I don't think so. No, I think it's a KZ. I think it's a KZ 1000. Oh, I love this. This is bullet-shaped business cards. Oh, this is where it's explained. Yeah, the agent already talked to their lawyer. That's why he gave, he's got a business card to give to him. That's how they knew where they would be. Okay. Something makes sense in this movie. He says we're not an act. The lawyer just goes, uh, yeah, I'll just skip over this super <laughs> uncomfortable point about how you're mentally ill. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm your lawyer. I represent you. Uh, what do you what do you pay me for? Okay, so we have no idea at this point in the movie why he's so dedicated to this weird lifestyle. Normally, this would be about the time where he says some sort of thing about something that happened to him in the past, give us some reason to understand why he's on this mission to prove something with this traveling band of weirdos. 
And it sounds like he's making that speech here, right? But no. No, it's just <laughs> drivel. It there's nothing. There's never any explanation of why it was bikes, why they didn't have a couple horses. There's I mean they even talk about the bikes being a burden with having to fix them and get parts. They don't make it seem like the bikes are more convenient than horses. We're not even sure what he's saying is not okay. He wants to prove something doing this to make money, but he doesn't want to make money either. I. <laughs> we'll just gloss over that. <laughs> I mean, if there's one way to smooth out an end bomb, it's weird Cajun witch doctor harmonica. That. That really Again, makes everything mind, okay. This was progressive. This was progressive. Okay. I feel like I'm going to need to take a five minute break, a little intermission at the end of this. At I the think end of this scene. We're about at the halfway point. Cam a lot. What the fuck? When I think back of all the shitty, like, young adult novels I had to read from sixth grade through high school to just illustrate basic storytelling techniques, it could have all been replaced by just watching this movie and have someone point out, so here's a really shitty way to try to do this. And here's a really shitty way to not accomplish this. And here's a, like, this has everything. There's like some scarlet letter in here. There's some outsiders. There's, there's some, there's even like a weird little bit of Moby Dick. There's a bit of everything here. Yeah, it's uh what a I kind of love that business card. card. I know. So, yeah. It's very 70s. Yeah, this movie's made 1980s, but it has a distinct 70s feel to it. And fuck you. See, if you look at his face, you can realize this is the moment this character realizes that the king is mentally ill. Yeah. (laughs) It's the only thing that actor does effectively. I hear everything you're saying, but no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) yeah listen to the way that revs that's a big that's a big four it has to be a kz 1100 
All right, let, let's take a little pause here for a second. This will seem seamless to everyone else. All right. All right. All right, we'll go for the scene change here. Okay, so this is the greatest scene change of all time. <laughs> you know, I keep saying this movie is like several different. Th this is where it turns into a John Waters movie for no reason. <laughs> it's like pink flamingos all of a sudden. I, I feel like we just switched there too quickly back to this, this weird round table they're having. This is so good. Ed Harris loses his shit here. It's great. Stand down. <laughs> <laughs> I said stand down. You're all just toy soldiers in some child sandbox war. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> See, these are the PTSD years of Brigadier General Francis X. Hummel. <laughs> 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 I dare you to stay part of our money hemorrhaging nonsensical <laughs> motorcycle Ren Fair led by a maniacal cult leader. Oh, this is great. He he barges in on our little pizza boob fest. <laughs> What's this little mobile bar these two always have going on? <laughs> I love these two. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> oh, yeah, it says right now is the time for modesty, madam. angry he is <laughs> of all the th <laughs> it goes back to shut the door <laughs> 
Of all the things he could possibly do, this move is amazing. Oh, this is where shit heats up between those two. So good. So what are we supposed to believe about this shoulder injury that he has? Because this mysterious injury, it's like four different injuries in one. He's losing all this blood through it, which I can believe that he keeps breaking the stitches and opening the wound, but... Like, he's losing a lot of blood through it constantly. Like, I mean, clearly, is you know, he hasn't broken a collarbone or anything. I think it's mainly just meant to be, like, the fact that he won't let up, and it's supposed to be, like, an on-screen, like, indicator that, like, he can't sit still long enough to let it heal, and he's constantly, like, being self-destructive. I think it's another... Well, no, I get the pl- the, the really obvious plot de- de- device part like this. So, you know, there's movies that show you, and there's movies that tell you, and this does both aggressively. Yeah. Again, the starting and stopping on this, we just went from him stealing a pizza from Friar Tuck Satan and Boobzilla girlfriend to throwing up the pizza at the lawyer from from Jurassic Park to the super serious girlfriend talk to tourists in Hawaiian shirts. I mean, you never get to catch your breath with this one. Oh, I like that this is like a real biker game. I love those ape hangers. Those (laughs) are amazing. See, this happened at the last show they had. Why is he concerned about these bikers? Also, why is he upset that they made their own armor? Like, yeah, they make their oh own God, armor. Oh, God. They're into what we're doing. Yeah. This is they made problem. their own armor. That's our thing. I totally believe, again, that the lawyer from Jurassic Park is based off of this character. He clearly was like, I've got to tap into something. I, yeah. like, I mean, Because when you think about it, when he read the script for Jurassic Park, because let's remember, Jurassic Park before Spielberg, you know, wove his magic with that was the dumbest idea anyone had ever heard of. Dinosaur movies was a very washed up concept. It must have seemed as preposterous as this script. 
It might have been, look, I've got to play a lawyer in a dinosaur movie. Let me conjure up my character from the second dumbest movie I was ever in. It says the whole thing's over. Why is the whole thing over? Everyone's upset all of a sudden, but for what? He's offering me the world, he says. <laughs> it's not real. It's okay. not real. <laughs> No. Profound. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> See, his face is all clean, and she's got dirt on her, so they're not meeting eye to eye. Just in case anyone needed a reminder of how this relationship works. Again, why is he even hanging around for this today? If he's got this this opportunity to go be this star with the Jurassic Park lawyer. I'm just as like lost for words as Tom Savini here. <laughs> this isn't just some roadside carny event anymore. You got to get a spiritual fix out of it. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not connecting here. The only thing that's missing is Nike shoes and Kool Aid. <laughs> oh, there, yeah. Oh, their fuel truck? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a 50-gallon barrel of fuel would make do for what they're doing here, right? Look, there's the Castrol signs. <laughs> See? So there's only two possibilities. Castrol gave them money for this movie... Or we're meant to believe that Castrol sponsors them in this movie. Which one is more ridiculous? How does she guarantee that?
hey, do you think that's supposed to tell us that this whole situation is running on empty and about to fall apart at any minute? Maybe. So we've kind of skipped to the end. He's he's won all the jousting. The the show's a lot shorter this time. I I guess I'm not really understanding how their tournament's running. Cuz he's just won, but now they're jousting some more. So now there's disco music all of a sudden. Do they explain why the weird music starts? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's their truck. Yeah. Was there sabotage? I don't get it. The crowd's really into it, too. So I don't see why it's a huge problem for anyone. Oh, I forgot about this love connection. So we're really frothing up to like another high point of crazy here. They're watching motorcycle jousting and now they're cheering that they need the weird disco music. I don't They're going to replace the disco with flute and fiddle. I mean, all of a sudden they have the crowd back. Uh, what is this scene? I don't know. <laughs> this, like, it's like, hang on, stop the movie. I need some air. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's keep in mind, throughout this whole scene, two guys are beating the shit out of each other on motorcycles. And we're not sure why. I thought they were they already decided who the winning knight was. <laughs> the queen's little like private torture is great like she could leave this at any moment oh yes this oh oh no. another out of control motorcycle oh, tra- oh no there's oh. a baby oh. yes oh. <laughs> <laughs> this woman taking the motorcycle to the fa- look at the zombie like death makeup on her like, clearly Tom Savini at this, like, the middle of this was just like, all right, look, you've got to let me do my dead person makeup thing. I can't be part of a, a full production. And now this random <laughs> has decided to dress up like that. So we're There's also believe- no difference in quality between their fake armor and the troops' yeah, fake armor. So, so okay, yeah, the mime the just mime has the baby the- now. <laughs> what? So we're supposed to believe that this local group of bikers heard, hey, there's this weird motorcycle red fair coming to town. We'd better make our own weird medieval outfits and go confront them. That that's what we're that's what's happening in this movie's universe right now. This mime and the baby is really creepy. (laughs) So (laughs) a motorcycle half a motorcycle frame. Cut in half no. by what? Are we meant to believe someone swung an axe and cut a bike in half? This is where the um, the stunts get really good, though, because there are some spectacular crashes here. I, you know, everyone can just stop at any time. Yeah, like- this isn't real. <laughs> What's happening? We've got more weird medieval jazz. (laughs) She hit him with a pole in midair. Again, how did they do that stunt? That was really good. I don't know. It was was hilarious, but... uh... Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh! More society problems. Just you know, we're just gonna take a little quick moment, just a little beat here, just to. Uh... Look, the well, half of the people here have decided that everything's fallen apart, like irrevocably. But one, the audience loves it. Two. They in, they invite this. They ask these bikers to come and participate at the end of this every time anyway. Three, again, they're not fighting for anything. But So here comes the black bird, right? It's just a dude from the town on a bike. 
He's made his own armor. And now Ed Harris feels he has to fight him. Because he's mentally ill. There's no reason. There's nothing at stake here. He's just fucking crazy. And why does this dude with the like this dude with the black bird on his on his on his chest armor? He doesn't know Ed Harris. He doesn't know his weird black bird like cocaine filled dreams. Like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't know how mentally unstable this weirdo is. Why is this happening? Look, they don't know his name. He's not just like some guy from the troop. How do they even know they're all about to fight? Exactly. I I mean What do they think they're fighting for? Get off the field! This guy's mine! (laughs) Again, I mean, I would (laughs) love to see this show. Like it, it blurs. It, there's some sort of like really early, um, like WWF element here of like lines blurring between what's real and what isn't, right? Yeah, he's fighting the king now. For Again, what? Yes. Why? Why? What rules are we going by here? I don't want to hurt you with my weird LARP sword. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this guy just showed up and he's just like, yeah, this is normal. I expected this. <laughs> he hasn't even fought anybody. I know. He's like, I'm just waiting. I've just been weirdly practicing riding this bike with weapons and strange armor for a while, just hoping a bizarre show like yours would come to my town. There's nothing unusual about that. Also, I never speak. That's normal. I just show up to Ren Fairs and people want to fight me. Yeah. It's kind of my thing. <laughs> this is where... Is his name Billy? What's our, our dude with like the, the CB750? I can't remember his I think name. It was Billy. There's not enough space. There's, 
This movie's too dense for me to remember names. It's true. But this is where he fully transitions into the total I hate everybody, I disdain everything character that he really is for a while now. He gives nothing but a look of just disgust for everything around him for the next, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, I hate to break it to you people. There's 45 more fucking minutes of this movie. You'd think, how could it get any more convoluted and surreal than this? Oh, it does. Look, there are lawyers still just hanging around. Why? Like, what's, what's his retainer? That their lawyer is just hanging around for this. I love how the crowd is totally unfazed by everything that's happened. I mean, they might think this is part of the show, which there I have to admit. There was another shot of the front half of a bicycle, of a bike frame. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the middle. Oh my I mean, God. You have to admit, like, if Nitro Circus was saying that they were just going to recreate this, for a show, like you'd go and see it. Oh yeah, Nitro Circus meets meets medieval uh, meets medieval times. Nitro times. Nitro <laughs> times. Yes. Uh, you you'd have to go. Oh yeah. I, I mean, especially with like again some some weird WWF speeches in the middle of everything. Oh, this is some great vintage movie, like, Injured Walking. I do wonder if, like, halfway through the movie... <laughs> now, is this, is, this, is this the same year Platoon came out? Like, was it, was it a oh. show-off between him and Sergeant Elias coming out of the jungle for the, the best Injured Walk? <laughs> Tripping down the sword onto his armor. You know, what is this injury he has? Keep in mind, this is just some dude who showed up. Yeah, some townie with his own weird homemade armor and cowboy boots. He still hasn't said anything. <laughs> I'm not sure that he does say anything. I'm wondering if they just realized, like, in the edit... That originally he was oh, fighting. I love the this dragon scene. He, versus... He's telling him like, "I just need some time." What he's really saying is, "I just need some time to go bone this girl in the woods without people interrupting me." I just need, like, what does he need? I needs time from what? Like, well, all the insanity and dysfunction of this carny group. But he's addicted one. to that. He's all about this group. This group means something super deep to him, apparently. He's just abandoning it abandoning it in its time of need. No, he's just tired of everyone interrupting him while he's trying to bone this like teenage runaway on his motorcycle. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Valid. I, yeah. Okay. At this point, you know, we can try and rationalize what's going on, at least through the first hour of this movie. At something this point, has to hold a through line in this. Like <laughs> something. <laughs> like, 
Look, and now the weird townie is just part of their crew. Like, he's in the king's tent. Oh, I love that they had to bring back that the woman that took the motorcycle to the face is okay. <laughs> In the middle of all the chaos, they inserted a scene of like an ambulance showing up. <laughs> just just so like we can just take that little issue and tie it up with a bow. Like, don't worry, everybody. That little mini plot line is resolved nice and tidy. <laughs> We haven't explained the weird mime and baby relationship, but the woman's okay. <laughs> or why that needed mul- multiple cutaways. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie. Oh, oh yeah, and now he's here. Yeah, he's <clears throat> just part of their crew now. Are we following vampire rules now? <laughs> Like, what's going on? Again, their lawyer's still here. Still high. Still sweaty. Like, are these billable hours? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, a woman at their show took a motorcycle to the fucking face. You'd think it'd be pretty busy right now. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love this little road trip that they take. Oh, so good. So he takes the teenage runaway on this little, uh, this little road trip. This is sort of where, um, uh, this movie kind of just turns into like, um, oh, what's the movie about the kid that goes to Alaska? Oh, um, into the wild, yeah. into the wild, yeah, yeah. It, the, the, so this little into the wild moment where they go to George Romero's house because <laughs> apparently the director George Romero is so vain he just had to have a whole like scene that he's in. That's George Romero, right? I actually don't know what George Romero looks like. I'm pretty sure that's George Romero here. Why else are they on this trip here? When they asked where he was going, he's like, I don't know. I just need to go. Oh. I was right. And the other half of the group goes to this weird, like, Hollywood, like, I don't know, estate thing. This fancy... um, I don't know. It looks like an 80s porn house. It does. <laughs> what was that look? <laughs> she's so great. She's <laughs> like that, that photographer. She's like she's like a real life Miss Piggy. It's great. Louis <laughs> throwing all this this Hollywood onto their act.
all the custom motorcycles that they come up with. I I wish we could just skip to the end of this movie right now to reveal the custom motorcycles. I have to say as well, like as a manager, Joe really does actually seem to have everyone's best interests in mind. But normally it's like, oh, it's the manager that's going to screw them over. But he seems to be working on a plan to like really scale up this production and get everyone some cash. More 80s movie tits. So good. Why is this even necessary? I don't know. Yeah, but like she's already like part of the quote bad guys team. Again, back to more pink flamingos. Again, this is the whole pink flamingo section of this movie. Now, this is where it goes all John Waters. See, this movie could have been a tight two hours, but. It would have lost everything that makes me love it. <laughs> this photographer is so into it. Like his weird hot piece thing is like, oh, it's going. He's got this strange like chastity belt that he's wearing. <laughs> so now we're firmly in Act Three, and if you haven't noticed, each act starts with either tits. Or a hard cut to some out-of-context sexual frame. <laughs> Look, now we have to introduce, for just a split second, like, her, uh, her real-life guy and... I know that we're supposed to gleam this is just Tom Savini being let down by this other world just as badly as he thought he was let down by uh, Ed Harris's weird motorcycle night cult thing. I get that, but it's just so fucking weird. Another awkward, pointless scene here. I've only been making Merlin and my girlfriend feel uncomfortable today. I gotta <laughs> sit down with you and let someone else know just how fucking close to the edge I am.
So you've got this plan about Alcatraz. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, doubt. You ever sit down with the black birds and the crows and the stray sheep? That's all I think about. Do you ever sit down with a guy at a bar that you've never met before and you start talking and he seems kind of chill and cool? And then just 45 minutes in, he says, Hey, do you know where to get any meth around here? (laughs) This is the conversation that we're witnessing, essentially, just in carny delusion form. Also, this guy's neck hair makes me uncomfortable. It is a weird contrast. Is there more water nakedness here? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. Look, he's so just. Disgusted with everything. Like this look he gives her. Like she's writing his name. He's like, I'm really tired of your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> He's, why is he so angry at her? <laughs> I'm sick of you too. <laughs> Every time. This whole scene is totally just because George Romero obviously just wanted to have more of himself in the movie. So he has his buddy here do this really awkward, way too long Brando impression. Let's just take this in. (laughs) Wow. Are you sure they just didn't run out of money and they needed another sponsor? Uh, no, but I can ditch you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We need to go get the band back together for one more delusional battle for nothing. I feel like that that they shot that as a joke, but they were also like, "Hey, KFC, do you want in on this?" Yeah. And then at a certain point, they got really, really. The, did you know Castrol is attached to this picture? <laughs> And they're like, hey, Castrol, we've already got KFC on for a sponsor. I mean, you don't want to be a part of this. (laughs) Playing both sides. (laughs) Oh, where he gets, he dumps her here. Yeah. You don't need to. I'm just tired of your shit. (laughs) 
Now go back inside where your father's going to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's well established he knows that, like, he's a dangerous man. Why is he just sending her back there? It's great, too, when she's like, I don't understand. He's like, I know you don't. Because he doesn't fucking understand either. When we learn the reason he's going back, it's the most nuts thing in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. Also, this is kind of about what you can expect if you run off with a carny. Like, yeah. You know, all things so all things said, this is kind of the best case scenario. Yeah. And now apparently all the Hollywood has just gotten to Tom Savini's crew. They haven't done a show yet. I know. This is <laughs> they're already trashing hotel rooms like this group has burned out faster than Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> <laughs> This movie really needed to be, like, a 24-episode TV show. Yeah. Well, I love this part here where, like, you know, for the last few minutes, it's, uh, or that last scene, it was, like, boogie nights or something. Like, just all the Hollywood and drugs. Like, I mean, it got to them really fast. As far as we know, they haven't done a show yet. Yeah, it was just... Well, I don't know, because they they already have the outfits and the custom bikes. Oh, okay. Prepare yourselves. As with every, uh, apparently this movie has a weird fourth act and it has yet another weird transition scene right here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. He's writing the yellow line. (laughs) What? (laughs) This, this custom, these custom bikes and armor. Like, also, why was he hung back so far there? What is with this side-by-side and then someone in the center lane position, like, riding style? Yeah, I don't have answers. For- Another three across <laughs> the lane! <laughs> their helmets with the blacked out visors and the sparkly paint I mean it's uh, it's it's like Gene Simmons and Martha Stewart got together on these outfits <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of like finoodles involved in this and, <laughs> and glitter paint and decoupage just more weird because look he's just hanging out there just whipping himself naked in the stream while like the weird native american like black crow guy is checking him out like throwing bones on a napkin on the side of the river 
That character still hasn't spoken. They're all super stoked for these, I don't know, betrayer heretics to be back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's somewhere between, like, Fanoodle and Peep in texture. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you know what it's like? You know the costumes from that movie, Mom and Dad Save the World? Oh, my. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the level of costume that we're dealing with here. Oh. God piece on this. Mm. Like, and, and why is Ed Harris have a big wet crotch? <laughs> like, they couldn't have waited like four minutes for that to dry out. You know that Ed Harris was like, no, man, my, my character's so pure. Like, I'm just going to come out of the river off camera. Like, you just better time it right. He's crying like everyone's finally playing into my crazy fantasy. (laughs) Again, they're having this big battle. I mean, wasn't there already a show planned that they were paid to do here or getting paid to do? Does the town pay for them to do these shows? Do they pre-sell tickets? So many questions. Mm. Another point that's not entirely... Oh, did you see more Castrol GTX yeah. in the background there? Like, So... Again, another question that's never really answered here. Look, he's like, he's like, the lawyer's like, you're using my costumes and bikes that I paid for. And he's got a legitimate point. Yeah, it's true. I don't know if wizards have much of a pull in the legal system. Yeah, I don't know if if, if (laughs) wizards or the outcome of this strange motorcycle jousting competition (laughs) have much to do with their contracts either. (laughs) It's like, yes, we're in breach of contract, but let's see what the wizard has to say. (laughs) The one with butterfly face tattoos <laughs> that claims to be a medical doctor, but like really hasn't done much for like the only person with a serious injury in this movie. 
So you can tell she's ready to accept him because she's got lots of dirt on her fucking face. You know, they try to be super woke with the gay characters, but all they can bring themselves to do is have them high five and bro hug each other. This is the most rational he's been in the entire movie. But again, it's unclear what they're fighting for. The crown. Are they fighting for the crown? Apparently, yeah, for leadership of the... This is the only thing that I have taken as granted in the entire movie. Because it's the only thing that I can somewhat reliably assume makes any sense so he's just decided this is his last day as king no matter what (laughs) he can't even play he he is skilled in harmonica on the same level as bob dylan (laughs) Which is not very much. So his weird Indian like spirit guide is now getting knighted. I don't know what he's done. He didn't beat defeat anybody. He hasn't shown any loyalty. He certainly can't pledge loyalty because he doesn't fucking speak. Yeah, it's the most concise character development I've ever witnessed. (laughs) (laughs) they're doing this battle without anyone there either I would probably at least be like yo you know shouldn't we wait till the audience shows up get you know paid for this this is built up to be the most epic battle we've ever had no this is this is the equivalent to the uh <sighs> This is the equivalent of the walk off in Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> this is underground. It's amazing. Now okay, so <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. Neither can he. Oh my god. Okay, so, hypothetical. If one of these original movie bikes popped up on Craigslist, what's your top dollar? Oh, that's tough. Um... Okay, let's go through one by one. One of the good sides... 
uh, weird um, four-stroke dirt bikes here with the shield on the front. What what would you do for those? I could go maybe eighteen hundred. Oh, I was gonna say about twenty five hundred. Okay, it's like a thing that at some point this 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 cannot stay obscure forever. Oh yeah, like this this has been rediscovered and it will. It will come back. And, and as a bad movie, it just delivers so much throughout the whole. Yeah. F- it's not like a movie that a bad movie with a couple crazy moments. And it would also be something that was like kind of like an expensive painting would be something that I could get enough enjoyment out of and hold on to. Um, now, if it was guaranteed to be like the CBX from the movie. Well, no, let's go... build up to the CBX. Okay. I'm just saying one of the one of the dirt bikes with the shield on the front. So I'm saying 1800. You're 25. We're not far off. What would you give for one of these custom <laughs> bikes with the weird painted fanoodles on there? <laughs> I don't know. Ah. Uh, uh. I mean, that's two thousand with the sidecar. Oh, with the sidecar, I'll go to three thousand. But okay, uh, now <laughs> the CBX. It's it's a pretty sweet CB. Uh, sorry, the the CB seven fifty is a pretty sweet seven fifty. It's going to be worth whatever any um like. I'm going to guess that's probably like a seventy seventy one seven fifty that single overhead that he's got. Um, that's going to be worth whatever's that's worth. Maybe bump it. Maybe bump it an extra grand, fifteen hundred. I mean, it's still essentially a free bike. Yeah. So why is he still here? He should be consulting a lawyer to sue these people. I know. <laughs> um, now the, the CBX. That's that's what we're gonna get to. What's what's our top dollar there? I want to say a CBX like that these days is going for. <laughs> I want to say twelve to fifteen is the range for a good one, like a really clean one. So if that one from the movie is still in the condition that it is in this movie. could be a $20,000 bike. W- but would you go there? No. Okay. I would be willing <laughs> to give them whatever the honest value is again and bump it another grand to 1500 like the CB750. So I could conceivably go 16, 16 and a half for that CBX. All right, let's get real now. What would you pay for one of these hand weapons from the movie? (laughs) (laughs) I can go $100. I mean, that's tops. Because, again, up close, these are going to be, like I said, like LARPing levels of quality. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they're all, like, completely garbage up close. I don't know. It'd have to be the mace, and I'd go $200. Okay. But now, 
What what would what's you the, pay? Wait, what's the strategy here? I don't know. Okay, hang on. This whole battle is completely bananas. The weird thing is here is like apparently there's the most at stake here. For the first time, something real is at stake. But everyone's taking the battle like really casually and seeming to have a lot of fun in it. Well, yeah, because everybody here is insane. <laughs> it's true. Everyone here is happy because they've been reunited with the chaos and all of their real world problems have been pushed off to the side again. That's really what's happening here. Okay, so we've established... That is a badass stunt. I know, I'm telling you, the stunts in this were really great. There's a lot of real, honest stunt writing in this. you cannot fake getting hit like that. I know. I don't know how they faked a lot of the, the... the the crashes where they just like throw shit into the front wheels of these bikes. I think people just got fucked up. <laughs> Honestly. They found extras just as dedicated to the strange cause as the weird characters in this movie. Or as desperate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it let's say one of these motorcycles with the sidecar and and all that pops up on Craigslist. And they're also offering as a separate sale or can be included the full armor outfit with it. What what does the armor add for you? I don't know. That's I can go three hundred dollars if it's the weird fanoodle, like <laughs> mom and dad save the world armor. Like with the boots and everything. I bet, I mean, well, it depends. That is amazing. (laughs) Okay, look. Oh, and it's got to have the cod piece, yeah. It's so... There's no way that what... As soon as everybody catches on to the weirdness of this movie, and after we inevitably make it popular again... Oh, there has to be a Knight Riders 2020. (laughs) Uh, mm, that stunt right there he just rams it into the ramp how do you do that Uh, yeah it's there's no way that what it will be worth is what I am able to pay If if it ends up being cool or it's going to be worth so much less (laughs) <laughs> then what it that what I expect that it's like well I'll just take all of them <laughs> I'll create my own coat of arms out of yeah um, the different iconography and everything is like I mean all this shit must exist like none of it's gone up for auction anywhere. And George Romero's enough of a director because you know, all the stuff from the from the zombie movies, you know, that's all collectible and able to be auctioned off. So this just being a property, this movie being a property from that director as well, the stuff must have been saved. 
Okay, pause. <laughs> we can't pause it, no. So, no, sidecar jump into oh yeah a swing like what is <laughs> i love that that was the moment it all got real for the king <laughs> to end the mime <laughs> this is so good so he's won and Low rent. Um, oh wait, hold on. Why is he holding a guitar? Was there just a fly by the microphone that they couldn't edit out and post? Again, I think Ed Harris decided he was going to do everything in one take. Like, I think Ed Harris really got into this. That's like why he had like the Pete's pants jeans before <laughs> and and all like. Yeah, I think there was a fly by the microphone and someone was like, we need to do that take again. And it was like, nope. It all only happens once. Like, this is real life for Ed Harris right now. <laughs> I have so many questions right now. What happened to the Raven? For one. <laughs> Again, who was the dragon that he was fighting? Or what was the dragon? How did this whole weird troop even start? How did he come to terms with the fact that he's old and fucked up and got his ass kicked and isn't even challenging for a conclusion to the movie? Like, I have so many questions. Yes, yeah, I got to give up my crown because as fun as all this is, is like, you're not going to start boning me as the queen. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> Burn them, baby. He's like, I just kicked everyone else's ass on this weird motorcycle jousting competition. I'm pretty sure that makes up for all the cheating I did on you. Well, yeah. Because, like, the last girl that I cheated on with you with, you know, like, she already has, like, a dude, so it got weird. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> this is a strange one, too. The queen goes off with our, our CB750 guy. Have they exchanged a single word in this entire movie? Those two? No. Not that I'm aware. I 
So what's been resolved for the king here? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> like, and for everyone else, like, their entire livelihood is all up in the air. The only thing that's been established is that he's the one that has some sort of vision has been able to hold everyone together. Everyone left and kept coming back together just because of him, apparently, and some allegiance to him. And this is, is the... legit like a suicide scenario. Oh yes, he's giving everything away. He's cutting all ties. He's reclusing himself. Like the mime is, is getting a lot of camera time now. <laughs> <laughs> they put a lot of work into that makeup. Let me put my arm around the queen. It'll be at least three days before I'm tired of her vagina. <laughs> I feel like we need a Forrest Gump like and just like that he was gone <laughs> he just rides off oh I forgot <laughs> that dude his weird black hawk guy follows him I, why it's supposed to and look because he follows him at this distance now throughout all these scenes it's supposed to symbolize that like he's some sort of like familiar creature you know he he came in he crossed paths with him because he silently lets you know because keep in mind no one else actually acknowledges this character he may or may not be real right oh this is why he doesn't talk just, right and look and of course they just had to put that that blackbird in the in the shot there as they drive by just oh. to really drive this one home so are we assuming we're looking at this from the king's narrative and he's an unreliable narrator yeah okay that actually makes sense that's the only thing you know what i'm just going to accept it whether it's intentional or not. Now, this is amazing. Kicks the cops What? So good. I'm so good. So he's a dude dressed up as a knight that just walked into a, a, a Burger King, assaulted a police officer. He's now holding a gun. And he throws it behind the counter into a deep fryer. But isn't that the cop from before? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's just it's just worth noting. That's that's what's happening in the reality of this movie. People are applauding. <laughs> Oh, the final insult. Soft serve in his hair. So he's he just, so pleased with so himself. So basically he just walked into town and found the cop who beat up his friend in a steak and shake. Okay, again, at this point, I have to assume this is unreliable narration again. Well, yeah, because look, his buddy just pays for it with this weird coin off his belt. <laughs> like, yes, it may not have actually happened. He's just on a weird spirit quest. 
Or ran out of lithium. Right. Yeah, and he's got the CBX, this like dream super bike of the time, and and his his uh his I'm just gonna call it his familiar is on a CB650, arguably the least desirable and shittiest of the whole like 70 CB line. Look, he just walks into a school. He's a bloody mess. Look, and he hands a weapon to the child. He's covered in blood. Some of it's probably the cop's blood. What's happening? The kid's not even impressed. Also, how does he know where this kid goes to school? Yeah, this is all just straight up fever dream. I don't know why there was a hose on his bike. This is really crazy though. These last this last minute or so. <laughs> like <laughs> It's just riding separated, like staggered by like 10 bike lengths, just through all kinds, through country roads, through towns, dressed as knights. Just riding to where? Riding for what? Is he just bleeding? Yeah, he's bleeding out of his glove from his wound, yeah. We got more medieval acid jazz. This is fantastic. This sort of reminds me of the end for, um, oh my God, what's that movie I love um, with the type Jag? Um, Harold and Maude. Okay. This is a very Harold and Maude ending. It is, you're right. It's a beautiful horse he's got there. It's the... Boom! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's magic. It's just so shocking. Look, he's dead. Look... This is the time for everyone to let go of this weird cult thing, but they're all at his funeral 
in the fucking medieval clothes. No one even has a black t-shirt. Look, if you've stuck with us for this long and you're feeling kind of a little bit numb and worn down, like, that's okay. That's normal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. This movie takes several viewings to really soak in. I mean, the mime. The mime. He's a sad mime. We don't know three quarters of these characters. <laughs> that weird photographer chick still with the fire. Yeah, I forgot why? about that. <laughs> uh, they're going to go have weird pizza sex after this funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they all showed up to the funeral in their LARP armor. I know. Do you think the rain would get some of that cardboard soggy? Yeah. Wow, that was this was an adventure that we went on. I don't know why we need this weird hero shot at the end, but there we go. Okay, so a little bit, bus- a little bit of business to sew up here at the end. If you if you've got all the way through through this with us, the most shocking thing is that this movie has a seventy seven percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. 77%. I totally believe it. Uh, how? How? Oh, okay. Look, no, here's the thing. It's a two and a half hour long movie. If you have gotten... Okay, first of all, nobody is forcing you to watch this movie. So if you get to the end, it is 100% voluntary. No, but the but no one's reviewed this movie recently. That's based on reviews from when it came out. This movie was well-received by critics. Oh, at the time? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes compiles uh, positive and ne- negative reviews from the past as well as present. Uh, let me see what the oldest I can find is... 
Anyway, what what you looking at? It's the oldest it's I see is like two thousand, which is actually certified fresh. Yeah, I guess Romero was kind of on a tear. Well, not at this point, no. But that that okay. No, I can't find a review from when it came out. But hmm, no. In any case, it's a weird movie, but I love it. Now, okay. How okay okay so we we've got to do our wheelie rankings now so I just okay just as a movie uh, one to five stars what do you give it? Mm, I, we need multiple dimensions on this rating in terms of quality and yeah, cinematography. Just quality, yeah, uh, it's a two out of five. I was going to give it a two out of five as well. I mean, purely for the, um, I don't know what I can say about the editing. Cause there's a lot of pointless shit in it, but, uh, the movie shot beautifully. It looks really good for, for 1980. It looks really good actually, but yeah, it's, it's good, but on a real tight budget, it's weird enough to hold your attention. So I, I have to give it at least two right there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as a motorcycle movie, like out, out of five, how many wheelies are you going to give this? Uh, it's a five out of five. Yeah, I, for me, it's like it's not just a five. It's like how many over five are we going to give it? Because I can go to ten. All right, you you never go more than three minutes without motorcycle action in this movie. This is the most motorcycle motorcycle movie you have ever seen. This this makes I this makes Easy Rider look like a movie about Parcheesi. This is the most motorcycle. This is more motorcycle than Torque. Yeah. This makes how to put this. Hmm. I don't even know. Well, I mean, but and even just like the uh, the all the stunt riding is excellent. Like again, we said there's genuine acting while they're doing tight, slow speed maneuvers in this movie. There's uh, there's a great variety of cool bikes. There's beautiful bikes and collectible bikes, and then there's weird costume movie bikes. It really has everything you want. There's like the crazy biker gang choppers. I so like what doesn't this cover? It covers everything. So yeah, as a motorcycle movie, it's it's the mostest. It's the extra most bestest of motorcycle movies. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's really nothing else to be said. It's it leaves you speechless every time. This it is really the top does. of the mountain right now. It really is. I don't know how this hasn't been a thing, and it's certainly going to have to make the rounds because, I mean, it's so unearthed, right? Mm-hmm. I'd never heard about this movie, and I was just trying to dig up weird motorcycle movie things, and I saw the poster for this on the internet, and I was like, okay, this has my attention. And then I found the trailer on YouTube, and... I was sucked in and the trailer alone will, will suck you in. But I had no idea it was going to be this crazy scene after scene. 
So, yeah. Well, there you go. Thanks for sitting through this with us. I want to hear people's people's thoughts on this movie. I want to hear people come back with questions for us. Like, email us questions. Like, what did we not talk about this movie? Because so much happens. There were there were whole scenes we glossed over while we were talking about some other crazy aspects. So, you know, send us some emails with crazy shit from this that you want us to bring up. And yeah, let's uh, let's just run the outro on this one. <laughs> let's do it. Okay. And I don't want to die. I just want to ride on my motorcycle. Cold.